Next Chapter Podcasts. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend. The king of these for Angelo talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. Jane, Jane, a babble hunky-dunky, too. Oh, my lord. It's Gene Genie by David Bowie from his 73 record, A Lad Insane. A Lad Insane. Did you know that? Well, you're about to find that out because we have an incredible guest for this. It's number 279 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What is up, party people? Fleece Army Unite. To all the people that are tuning in for the first time, whether you're a fan of uh, Bowie, Bowie or Ron Bennington, thank you for joining us at the only podcast where a stand-up comedian is going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums and... He doesn't know much about music, so we're all figuring it out together. To all the people that are, if I didn't say that, would immediately go to the Apple podcast page and write, this guy doesn't know anything. He only knows Stone Temple Pilots, Radiohead, and Guns N' Roses. To all the 45-year-old white men that are listening to this podcast, I love you guys. I love you. Uh, What is going on with me? Um, I'm having a great time right now. I'm going on tour with Jelly Roll, Young Gravy, and the uh, Goddamn Comedy Jam Band. Uh, We are doing an arena tour from July 28th to October 15th. I'm so excited about it. I'll be opening up every show, uh, playing, I mean, venues all over the country. Um, It's crazy, too, because I met Jelly Roll at Skankfest, and it's such a great story. I'm gonna have him on the podcast when we're on the road, so. Let me get a little sip of my cough. Mm. Wake me up before you go, go. Starbucks coffee, I fucking need you. Uh, so there's that. In March, I will be at the Comedy Zone in Greensboro. I'll be at the Comedy Zone in South Carolina. I've got some House of Comedies coming up. I've got nothing in February. No spots. I am sitting here with my dick in my hand, uh, just doing this and Himbo's podcast. If you haven't listened to Himbo's, give it a listen. It's me and Justin Silver talking about fashion, what to eat, how to do your hair, steroids, all the stuff we are into. And you can find it at Himbo's podcast on all social media. It's great. Um, But this is the main one. This is my bread and butter. This is the one that that I love. They're totally different. I know JT right now is like, why are you talking about it? I'm talking about it because, dude, I want the Himbos and the Fleece Army to merge and they become this beautiful thing. Musically inclined and knowledgeable, well-dressed, in-shape people. 
then, then, what do we do? We do the Patreon. Uh, we have built uh, a really big following with this podcast and all the people that are subscribed to the Patreon, man. I can't thank you enough. I mean it. And if you haven't, uh, you know, we're just letting you know it's out there. $5 uh, a month gets you some merch, gets you questions to the guests, uh, and you support the show. So patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Um, we have a lot of great people working on the show and, and um, we give them the money. Because uh, we didn't have any ad, we don't really have a lot of ad sales anymore. When the when the Spotify deal ended, it kind of fucked up everything, um, and it's a bummer. But we want to keep making this. We want to keep making this until May twenty eighth, or is it May thirty first? I think it's May th- May thirty first, twenty twenty eight. We're almost there. I mean, we're like we're chipping away at it. We're gonna finish. I feel like we're gonna finish this. That's up to you. Keep listening. Keep telling your friends. Spread the uh, the love of this podcast. Show show how you're watching the 500. Take a screenshot and post that on your Instagram stories uh, and tag us. That's a huge way of doing it so we know who's out there. Um, but go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. Um, there's somebody that's right now that's like, dude, he's talking too much. He's, do, he's doing, he's trying to sell the show. Yeah, that's what we do. If you get mad about listening to a free podcast and you say that we that I talk too much promoting the things, that's on you. That is on you. That's what am I supposed to do? Just have you read my mind? What am I thinking about right now? You're right, my social media, at Josh Adam Myers, I post clips daily. Uh, just join everything, man. JoshAdamMyers.com for tickets and Josh Adam Myers on all social media. All right, David Bowie. We're going to talk about this right from the beginning, so I don't got to say much um, about how great Bowie is, about how iconic he is, especially the album cover. Everything that has to do with Bowie is big. And one of our uh, probably most requested guests that people have said they wanted back when I throw up on like Twitter, who do you want or who do you know that's like a fan of Nirvana or who do you know that's a fan of David Bowie? Every time somebody says Ron Bennington, so guess what? We got him back for you. The host of Bennington on Faction Talk Radio on Sirius. He is a comic and radio legend. He's also one of the best interviewers in the game. He always interviews me. And that's why this is a great this is a great episode, man. This is this is the one. This is the one that it's like, fuck, dude, we're having fun. We're talking about the facts. We know stuff that you get all the skadoodle in this one. And now the spiel rate review and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. You can tell us uh, some questions. You can tell us to go fuck ourselves, whatever. And follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. That's where you find all the music. That's where you find all the facts. Everything is right there. All right, kiddos. David Bowie, Aladdin Sane, 279. Go. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Literally, literally rock and roll. Today. <laughs> literally rock and roll. You and I, that is, that is our bag. Mm-hmm. You are, you are probably our most requested return guest. I don't think you realize that. No, I don't realize that, but three, three you know, I'm not going to be like Bobby Kelly. Like nobody knows the cars anymore, dude. And I'm like, what are you, I'm yelling. 
<laughs> I'm yelling. I'm like, did you ever watch a fucking commercial or a movie? The cars have never went away. Not dude. Nobody knows the cars. Nobody knows. Nobody <laughs> knows. We had fun, dude. Bobby, Bobby might have the best skin in comedy. He does, but you know what's funny? He has a 1980s fucking hair metal voice that he can sing, right? What? But he doesn't know any fucking songs. So he'll just start <laughs> to do this thing and make up lyrics. And I'm like, learn a song, Bobby. Just fucking learn one song. He can sing? He should For do real? Yes. yes. I have I've never heard him sing with a musical instrument. I know he plays that stupid, you know, drum thing that he does. But um his voice, if this was nineteen fucking seventy-nine, we'd put him in a band. You know, Jeremiah, you had said to me you should get Bobby on the goddamn comedy jam. He has done the goddamn comedy jam. But like Ron said, like Ron said, he did the cop out, went the burr way. And played drums, oh, played drums on on Highway to Hell. There's some there's some there's some forty uh, six year old guy in Tulsa right now that's like talk <laughs> about Bowie. Talk oh Jesus about- Christ! This is the show. <laughs> this is the show. <laughs> I was hoping that I thought this was before we get started. No, this is all. Do we start recording from the jump, dude? Oh, this is shit. Um, I'm so bummed out. I might just leave. Record. I, no. I fucking love Bowie. This is what I like to do. I like to give you a little skadoodle. You have no idea it's coming, and then I'm like, "Tell me your yeah. thoughts on I should- Aladdin." Say, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, this is why I fast forward. Because I want to hear about the fucking the band. Are you a Bowie guy at all? Yes, uh, he was but before a, this I, album. No, 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 Josh. no. I don't. I don't. I don't hate this record. I just think it was a harder listen than every other Bowie record I've ever listened to. Uh, well, what I, have you listened to before? This Ziggy is Stardust. Ziggy Stardust for sure. So I have listened to in its entirety, uh, for so sure. Nice. Ziggy Stardust for sure. Hunky Dory for sure. Let's dance. Uh, I listened to Black Star. I've listened to all the greatest hits. I've listened to. No, I haven't listened to Heathen. Earthling, I listened to because that was when he did the Nine Inch Nails type shit. Uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, he did like I'm Afraid of Americans and was yeah. it, am I right? Yeah. So I liked that. Um, all right. So let me help you out. Let please. me help you out a little bit. Okay. Because there's only a couple of people in the history of music that are worth like thinking about most people. Okay. You know, they come in, there's their first album and they go on and you're like, I like them or I'm not Dylan Beatles, Bowie and Prince are the only people that you will go. I'm not fucking sure what they're doing now. You know, I don't know why they did it. So this album is Bowie turning his back on Ziggy Stardust, right? His first fucking hit album that he has. Not in America, by the way. In England. He's not a fucking star in America. And he's immediately going, I don't dig this. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be Ziggy for the rest of my life. So he's got one foot in the last album, which is genius. Yeah. And the next foot, in the next direction he's going. So this is a transitional 
album. It's the last time he played with the Spiders and he's playing different with them. And you're just like, what the fuck is he doing? And that's why you become a Bowie fan. It isn't because I've, you know, I've got 15 tracks that are fucking great and I can fucking work out to him. It's like, what is this fucking mad genius doing? Wow. He's coked up for the first time in his life. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, says he coke. I think it's also meth. You know what I mean? You didn't sure. get a lot of coke in yeah. 73. Uh, it was harder <laughs> to get. But here's like, this is the most amazing thing. The cover of this album yeah. is the lightning bolt, right? The most iconic thing. You could see kids' dolls have the lightning bolt. And, you know, you can buy that thing anywhere. Uh, the happy face will have the lightning bolt. Everyone knows it's Bowie. Dude, yeah. one fucking day is the only day he ever did it. The fucking cover of that album, and he never put the lightning bolt on again. And it's, and it's the same fucking makeup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Since the beginning, because that's what you do. That's the smart branding. This guy went in a different direction all the time. Well, it's funny that you say that. And it's very interesting to find out that that was like, he did it for the album cover and then he never did it again. Never again. Because that really is. I've seen hundreds of thousands of people on social media on Halloween dress that april richardson who is a comic who actually moved to london but i knew her from la very on the alt scene she was so obsessed with bowie she like would buy the outfits that he would buy and i remember one halloween she did the lightning bolt and i mean hair everything it's it's like when you think of bowie i don't think there's another picture that is more remembered i mean that's on every like you said every t-shirt there's, they're still selling that image and it still sells probably still, in the top 10 t-shirts sold a year. One day, one day he wore it and never again. And it never either occurred to him or interested him to stay with that. And why? You know what it's fucking like just to have people pay attention to you, how difficult it is yeah. to grab a single hook anywhere. Yeah. So that's the thing about Bowie. And he did put out, and so does Prince, so does Dylan, of stuff like, I don't even know what you were trying to do here, dude. I don't get it. And so that's like, the to me, the great thing about being a fan of his. It's not the professional, steady, here's the way we go. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Right after this album, he did, uh, well, he did pinups, which was a bunch of fucking covers. Uh, Diamond Dogs. Which was, Diamond Dogs was, a, again, a hit. And what's the next album he does? Fucking got, Young Americans. Young Americans. Right? Follow. But just think yeah. of that. Young Americans. And I, I was a kid, right? And they're yeah. like, Bowie's coming to Philly. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Let's glam this shit up. And he came and just did the Philly International Sound. He literally made a fucking soul fucking album when he was the king, the king of glam rock. He just went in another direction and he just he walks away from his audience all the time. He just while they're cheering, he turns around. So I was a Bowie fan when I was a kid and every fucking album ever I've had to catch up to. 
Well, I've listened to it and I go, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Completely. You know? Jeremiah even said it. He said it, it wasn't the first listen. It wasn't the second. You said it was like the sixth, seventh. I I got, I probably, listen, I don't want to say I hated it. I, I, that's like, that's such a strong word. And I completely agree. It's like, this is something that I probably, you know, needed another week with. Um, but what I did know is that it's like, it's different. And I respect the difference and it's different than any other Bowie album that I've ever heard. And every other song, uh, it does. When you read about the research and you hear about the cocaine, that makes sense. You, when you read that he wrote this on tour in America on the road, that makes sense because it kind of reflects what that feeling is like traveling from city to city and airport to airport. Um, it's dark, it's dark and it's, it's a hard listen um, yeah, but going against, not going against, going with what you said, do, don't you think, because everybody you mentioned, uh, Dylan, the Beatles, mm. uh, Prince, I'm going to throw Radiohead in there because Radiohead challenges their listeners 100% and they're, okay. and they're global. And I think they're, they're an icon of my age. Um, but I, don't you feel like that is kind and Miles Davis? And don't you think that is kind of yeah. what? what uh, a true artist does. A true artist says, I'm going to challenge myself here and I'm going to challenge my listeners because what we just did, that's over. We're moving on to okay. something else. So we're putting, you know, on less than fucking 10 fingers who the people we consider true artists yeah. in this entire fucking history of this genre. That's mm. kind of shocking, right? I know. That people don't come at this as I'm experimenting, I'm doing stuff. But also, if you look at this album, uh, I know you're going to have at least three songs that you're like, those songs will stay with me for fucking ever. Yeah. And how many fucking albums have that? You know what I mean? Like, how many? And that's what's always funny about, like, reading, like, stuff that was written in its time, right? Like, reading a, a rock critic. Or is like, well, this isn't as good as Ziggy Stardust. And you're like, oh, it wasn't as good as one of the fucking greatest albums that's ever been. And you ever can't even made. understand what it's based on. You know what I mean? So you were disappointed that you didn't get another Ziggy Stardust. When he calls the fucking album a lad insane, he's telling you, I'm fucking I'm insane. Right yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Back. I got everything that I thought I wanted. And it doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? This feeling that of success is not what it was in my fantasy. And I think that's fucking, I think that's fascinating. You know, it really is. Were you, were you there? I mean, uh, because you're older than me, were you there at the jump? Did you get in at Ziggy Stardust and Space Oddity? No. Uh, Guys that were, well, Space Oddity, I heard when I was a kid. And it was a very weird thing to even try to, explain this now because fm radio almost came in like the internet where it was like not everybody had it in their car not everybody had it here so when i was younger uh space oddity got fucking played i heard it didn't know who it was you know didn't pay attention heard changes and i felt like i got fucking kicked in the chest while i was listening to it and i'm a kid at the time i'm like in junior high school and I'm like, I gotta, you know, look into this. That song still kicks me in the chest because now I'm on the other side of that fucking song. You know yeah. what I mean? Now I'm seeing my own generation spending all their time bitching at kids. And when I heard that, I was like, yes, finally, 
someone fucking gets that we're taking <laughs> over the world. Now, all my friends, you know, these fucking kids and they're woke and they're shit, you know, like, yeah, you know, it all comes around. So that thing, I mean, I, I called uh, a girl that I went to uh, high school with. Uh, Valerie Dunn, and we discussed this album because she claims I turned her on to Bowie, and that would have been the Diamond Dogs album. And she swears that she can remember me walking down the street. I put this album, and I'm like, "Hey, come on, follow me. We're going to go listen to this album." We went to a friend's house. That's how we used to listen. Yeah. If somebody had the album, then we could all congregate. To it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you didn't have that access. You know what I mean? You didn't have the access to get to it. You, you were either buy an album or a nickel bag. It was fucking, you know, it was <laughs> yeah, awesome. you get, you get the weed. He's got the record. You got the record right. player. He's got the place to listen to it at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they, not everybody went out and got the same fucking album at the same time. Yeah. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the corner of gray street podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of Gray Street. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Morty, our old uh, writer and co-host on the show, who worked for this for a little bit. Big shout out to Morty. We love you. We miss you. Um, Morty, we were talking about, maybe it was Station to Station, Jeremiah, when right. I remember I was talking to him about, because that was the previous Bowie record we did on this, which was great. Um, very, very easy to listen to. Very, we had Gavin Rossdale from Bush on, uh, who did not like it when I called him. I was like, what's it like being the sexiest man in the world? And I said, what's it like being one of the sexiest men of the 90s? And he was like, okay, well, we're talking about Bowie, right? And I'm like, okay, right. business, all right. Yeah. I feel awkward, uh, and the internet connection's bad. Um, the, <laughs> the. By the way, those albums, those Berlin albums, were fucking shocking to people. Like people mean? didn't necessarily dig them off the thing. There were no hit songs that came off of that. You know, he had went away from everything that he was doing in L.A. It was another 
strange period where people were saying, what's Bowie doing? It took a little while to catch up. He wasn't giving you that thing that you, he Ziggy. wasn't giving. You yeah. People want Ziggy. Place. Yeah. People yeah. wanted Ziggy for the rest of his career. Yeah. And that, uh, I mean, like, no that's, doubt about it. And I think that when we, this is what I'm talking about, about like, about when you mentioned Radiohead, like Radiohead writes creep and creep is this international internationally massive song it is perfect pop brit rock and they disowned it they didn't play it again <laughs> until until recently like for real like so they were embarrassed because yeah. it's a holly song exactly. yeah, let's, you're not wrong you're, uh yeah that has to be uh you know that has to be a tough situation but yeah that song went out and became what it was on its own yeah right? where other people just you know were playing it well, even John Lennon, even John Lennon, and I think it was in the in, in Imagine John Lennon, he's being interviewed by some woman that's kind of like scolding him for his antics. And he's like, listen, honey, we're a long ways away from from I want to hold your hand. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I'm what I am about anymore. And that's not what I'm going to do. And he's like, and if you don't like it, then you go ahead and go back home and listen to those old records. But I'm going forward and doing what the fuck I want to do. Um, See, and I think the Beatles kind of did that organically where like they were changing and the times were changing fast. I think Bowie just said, you know, I'm Ziggy now. I'm Aladdin Sane now. I'm Halloween Jack. Like he literally did those things on purpose where I feel like the Beatles were letting this, it had a much easier flow probably because sure. the whole generation was, was changing. changing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they were, you know, riding that wave I mean, it's fucking still nuts to look yeah. at that. Hey, did you see the documentary Moon Age Daydream? Documentary? I did not. I did not. I wanted to, um, you know, tell me about it because everybody that's seen that said it, they said it was just incredible. Did you watch it? it yeah. Uh, I had Brett Morgan on my show before uh, when he did the Stones one and this one he did totally different. And you would it's like the only voice over stuff is Bowie stuff that he has. And it's just. I mean, it's too much to to take in. There's also another great documentary that really has a lot to do with this uh, called Beside Bowie. Um, and that's Ronson's story. And he Mick Ronson is the guitar player from the mm -hmm. Spiders. And those guys were like Mick and Keith, right? They were perfect together. And Bowie just launched it. It was like, okay. We're all done, you know, and he's playing on this. And this is one of the the great kind of brick guitar players of all time that if Bowie would have kept the spiders together would be a household name today. Oh, my God. But Dude, yeah. it's just looking at it. So here, let me just get the I'll get the background just so everybody that is oh, that's listening to this, you know, uh, give you our little spiel. So Aladdin Sane is his sixth studio record. It's released April 1973. The follow up is his 1972 breakthrough. Uh, the follow up to I'm sorry to uh, Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars. It was the first album he wrote and released from a position of stardom, which is like everything you mentioned. At the British beginning. stardom, not American. True. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It features co contributions from Bowie's backing band, the Spiders, and the Spiders are Mick Ronson, Trevor Boulder, Mick Woodmansey, as well as pianist uh, Mike Garson, 
uh, two saxophonists and three backing vocalists. It's recorded in London and in New York between legs of the Ziggy tour. It also took a toll on Bowie's mental health, which further influenced his writing. He co-produced Lou Reed's Transformer and mixed the Stooges' raw power at the same time. Wow. Something, no, this is a, such a shit fact. I don't even know why I'm throwing it in there, but literally in... Fuck, dude, in two days, I was supposed to be flying to Dominican Republic to do a festival with Iggy Pop called Destination Chaos, and they bumped the festival to October. And that, in my opinion, makes me feel like they're going to bump it to never. <laughs> like It it's is going to happen. It's gonna happen. I, I hope so, I man. Hope. All right, moving on. Just the business. Um <laughs> So he co-produced Lou Reed's Transformer, mixed the Stone Stooges' raw power at the same time, adding to his exhaustion. This was right around the beginning of his longtime coke addiction because he wrote this while on tour in the States. Many of the tracks are gratefully influenced by Bowie's perceptions of the country. Due to the American influence and the fast-paced songwriting, the record features a tougher and raunchier glam rock sound than its predecessor. I don't think that's ever, there's a better sentence to explain because this is like, this is tough and it is raunchy. Uh, the lyrics reflect the pros of Bowie's newfound stardom and cons of touring and paint pictures of urban decay, drugs, sex, violence, and death. Um, thoughts on anything that I said? Any starting off point you want to jump well at? Yeah, let's just jump in that he, you know, was involved with these other two genius fucking records, right? Yeah. Two guys that out of all of America, this is who he focuses on. Neither one of them were very successful at the time. Wait, right? Even Lou Reed, wait, and even Lou Reed with the with the Lou Velvet Underground. Reed, the Velvet Underground never sold any fucking records. No, I know the that. Whole they, thing, they, they influenced uh, more the than they thing, sold, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing on them is if you heard them, you started a band, right? Yeah. But what's the most popular fucking song of Lou Reed's career is off that. Take a walk on the wild side. Yeah. And these dudes, you got to remember, this is like two years after Stonewall, right? When you could get the fucking shit beat out of you for being gay. Yeah. And those three guys are fucking kissing each other in public. And I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. If you were a fucking Bowie fan in the early 70s, there were going to some people that just going to be homophobic. Sure. Right from Jump Street. You know what I mean? Right from Jump Street. It was a dangerous fucking thing to be gay in the early part of the 70s. Um, so, I mean, this thing that he's doing, he go, it's not like he jumped in and and thought, I'll do something with Neil Young or something. You know, somebody. Yeah, yeah. He's doing two like misfits. Already, yeah. So it's almost like you ever see that comic who's like their two best friends cannot help their career at all. That reminds me of Bowie. You know what I mean? But he's with them because he's like, these are the dudes. You know what I mean? This is where I, I want to be. Yeah. And uh, and that, weirdly enough, is who he saw. He saw America through their eyes and their stories. Right. When he got here. Fucking Lou Reed, heroin addict. Fucking. Yeah. uh you know, so that whole darkness, I mean, those are two dark fucking cats that he was hanging out with. You yeah. Know? No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, so I'm true. just finally digging into the Velvet Underground and uh, Lou Reed. We did. We did. We do. Uh, Jerry, do we do Berlin? Yeah, was that we did it? Berlin, we which did was Berlin, real dark. Which is the darkest record yeah. I, I've ever listened to. In my life, <laughs> hookers and drugs and, and hookers on drugs. Uh, and then Iggy Pop is, you know, this is raw power, which is like, that's their most iconic record, right? 
both of these right? it's in there yeah I mean, and he used to cut himself on stage with fucking bottles. Yeah. I mean, he was a wild man. Yeah. Uh, And then even to take that to this record, I remember I'm a kid. I'm listening to the song Crack Doctor on this. Mm. And the guy says he's 50 and a fucking Hollywood star. And, you know, I'm like, well, dude, I'm like fucking 14. I have no idea how to relate to this. And, you know, he's with a male prostitute and he's getting fucking blown and he's whacked out on drugs. And, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, I fucking get it, you know, completely. I you know, I'm like, oh, I guess this was a closeted, you know, Rock Hudson or one of those fucking cats, you know. But why write a, a song when your audience as the best teenagers to early 20s about a 50 year old fucked up? gay failing fucking star so you're not doing that to get radio play no you know what i mean do you think do you think he's making this record i mean is he because you kind of said it but it's like is this like a fuck you to the people that loved ziggy stardust or do you think this is him challenging himself or and and being like you know i i'm i'm it's i'm hitting the reset button and i'm making this i'm making this this like we said raunchy hard you know glam rock i think it's fear and loathing is involved in this i think he's kind of afraid of america he's not digging the the fact of what the business is about you know what i mean it's it's you know it's the same business that just like a year or two before had killed fucking hendrix and morrison and joplin you know i mean he's got to be aware and he's he's got to be aware that it uh, like this could be a deal with the devil you know what i mean it could be a deal with the devil to accept this kind of weird success it's like early he's fame also, and like looking ahead to like yeah. when it all falls apart or something yeah, yeah. no yeah, totally. of course well i mean dude i'm reading some of the filler facts that we have about this and like he's always been especially you know you we talked about iggy pop and we talked about lou reed and it's like these are like misfits he's always been kind of like pushing society to accept something like you said the homosexuality is like i don't know whether he was bisexual gay or just you know doing it for the show he's still pushing the boundaries of what is acceptable on mainstream radio and 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 in images and then i found this fact that he drew criticism during the tour for this uh, because of his pro-fascist views and in 74 there was an interview where he was he declared Adolf Hitler was one of the first rock stars quite as good as Jagger. I mean, that is like, that's, I mean, that's Kanye, Kanye. level. Yeah, that's Kanye, that's Kanye. level. Yeah. 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 And, and also, the difference is he's from England and uh, that place, you know, in the 60s, they're still cleaning it up. It took it for forever to clean up the bombs there. But he was also like Kanye turned on by the clothes. And it's also cocaine talking. Sure. I mean, when you get whacked out. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's cocaine, some weird shit, dude. <laughs> you might look at your own audience and like, look at these fucking Nazis. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? You might like, I don't dig this at all. 
I don't know if I've ever gotten so high on cocaine. I became anti-Semitic. It's like that's a that's that's at least four or five eight balls. That's four or five. Yeah, days it up. takes. Yeah. yeah, no sleep. Yeah, no sleep. Yeah. You're the shadow yeah. people are talking. You're talking to them, right? And you're like, you know, Himmler was my favorite cabinet member in the Nazi party. And, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, okay, dude, you need to go to sleep for a few days. But that's what I'm saying. It's like he he still he managed to avoid being condemned for it. Um, what well, was I, the seventies? You know what I mean? You didn't have the internet. Yeah. Everybody right. was mad on their own. You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? Yeah. They didn't all get together and form a group. I just find it. So I find it so funny because, you know, this is a guy that, that literally is about to have the world by, by the balls and just do whatever he wants. And he just like, it's like, it almost seems like, you know, he had nobody there trying to control him and nor if they tried, they probably couldn't, you know, really get inside of him because he was probably so gacked out. Um, but he still was capable of pushing. Like, is there another artist that you could say that besides Kanye um, and Kanye is, it's actually a really sad case that you feel is kind of in that same situation has completely, completely like just almost made an attempt to like destroy what they've built. I, you know, I mean, let's probably the better way to look at that is comedy, right? Yeah. Where in fucking comedy, we see, you know, if you even remember, even Chappelle was doing weird shows when he came back and he yeah. walked away from the kind of success that he didn't want to be with Richard Pryor. Uh, obviously, uh, did that. George Carlin had his ups and downs. And I kind of think it's not a bad way to look at that thing that because she's not part of a band, you know what I mean? When yeah. you're in a band, everybody's voting like a bunch of fucking children of, you know, where we're going on vacation. And I, I think there's just a lot to win in. And I also feel like he was one of those guys, like he had worked at it a while before he broke through you know, he'd been trying stuff since well into the 60s. And I think he might have been just a little angry of, oh, now now you fucking like me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that can happen to you in show business all the time. Ron is the best, right? And that's why I love having other comedians on. We goof around. We make the show more than just about the music. But if you want some more laughs when you're done here, let me tell you about another show from Next Chapter Podcast and the Midnight Gardeners League you're going to love called Midnight Public Radio. This semi-scripted comedy series is a weirdo love letter to this American life. Chock full of sketches, poking fun at latte sipping, cardigan wearing, coastal elites, and their obsession with stuffy intellectual broadcasting. Season two has been hilarious as they ratchet up the craziness by taking a gonzo approach to classic radio dramas. Host Ari Wood dug through the NPR archives and unearthed Outpost MG5, a satirical spoof of sci-fi adventures like Star Trek and Buck Rogers with plenty of horny androids, hyper-violent aliens, and half-drunk time travelers. The season two finale just dropped, so go back and binge the whole thing. Listen to Midnight Public Radio wherever you get your podcasts or go to midnightgardenersleague.com to learn more. And now, let's get back to it. How long was he? How long was he toiling around before? I mean, that, this is his sixth record, and the first because Space Oddity came out in like what sixty eight, sixty nine, sixty nine, and they literally. I mean, it was like a, almost like a Weird Al record and like a novelty record because we were landing on the moon, and they said, "Oh, oh we can yeah. you know do that." 
But I was even thinking this. Did, did we have anyone else writing about sci-fi? I mean, he was putting sci-fi into all these things. This fucking Drive-In Saturday Night, the weird song that's on here. That is basically, um, you know, a futuristic song about people that can no longer fuck and they only understand life through watching old movies. And it seems like they're... Uh, watching gay porn, you know, in the, in the <laughs> yeah. 2000s from the 1950s. Sounds it, like, 19, yeah. No, I was going to uh, say, you're all right. I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody that is, is writing sci-fi music. It's like, it really is interesting. And I mean, maybe yeah. that's just what the world, like you said, the world was, was changing, you know, they're going to the moon and, people are finally going into space and and you know he's he's fascinated by it. do we have jeremiah do we have a little background of why he wrote that way i can look it up i, I don't know i'm just reading more on drive-in saturday and he wrote it for mott the hoople uh, but they rejected it so he put it on mott, this album mott the hoople uh ron is yeah. my favorite pluck of a band I only knew a little bit about from doing this podcast that is completely... from the all the young dudes album. Oh my right? God, dude. Uh, Jer- what is it? Jerkus, uh, Kirk, the one that fucking, yeah. I could go, that whole album is just, yeah. it's just fucking perfect. And then we did another one with, uh, the lead singer of Def Leppard, uh, Joe Elliott. We did another record of theirs and I loved that one too. It was and really I mean, cool. It's, and oh, I think- the Memphis record probably. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes, yes. Now here's the other thing about Mata Hoople. They were breaking up, right? They weren't, mm-hmm. had no fucking success. He fucking offers them. He doesn't even have this major success yet. He goes, I'll give you two fucking songs, Suffragette City or all the young dudes. Which one do you want? He's got two of the fucking greatest rock and roll songs yeah. of all time. He gives these guys all the young dudes. That's crazy. He gives that away. That would have been on Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, I know. That's how good he's, Bowie he's, is. Like, he gave away all this stuff. He produced Iggy Pop and Lou Reed we were talking about. And I'm just reading that when he gave, when, when Mata Hoople rejected this song, Bowie uh, drunkenly shaved his eyebrows and said that Fine. taught him a lesson. <laughs> and then Ian Hunter yeah. of Mott the Hoople said in his book, uh, he was like, Bowie's a genius because it sounds like Dylan and he just goes on and on about how amazing the song was and they rejected it. It's crazy. It's just so crazy. It's, I think I think he's the epitome of like, you know, you've got people that you like and you've got a little bit more success. So what do you do? You always reach down and pull people up. You help You help the people that need to be helped that just need a little push sometimes like you know what i mean and right but let um, me say this suppose yeah. you had this fucking unbelievable bit that would close out any fucking i'm not giving it up uh, hour of <laughs> i'm your, not giving it you're up you're gonna fucking hand that to somebody because <laughs> you're not gonna i don't care how talented you are you only got so many all the young dudes in yeah the you're right pocket. no dude that was a perfect way and, to explain it that was a perfect way to explain it because it although, takes good let me just say, all the young dudes is another thing. People don't even pay attention to the stuff that Ian Hunter is doing when he's like, you there, bring him down. He's fucking talking about bringing a guy up to the fucking front of the stage, not a chick. It's a fucking totally gay song. <laughs> and it's being listened to by mainstream America. I know. Who doesn't even, you know, we still have closeted fucking people on the Carol Burnett show at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. And 
he just put this shit out and it couldn't be just to get success or even change people's minds. I think he, he dug making people uncomfortable. uncomfortable. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I like, we were talking about pushing boundaries and stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because it's he's known for his, his imagery just as much as he's known for his music. I don't know if there's another artist that really is such a master at both of those. Maybe, I mean, you know... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I she is an icon. Like Madonna. Madonna was, right. you know, Madonna was this incredible pop star. But what everybody remembers, you can remember the music, but you also remember the book Sex, and you remember the fucking weird cone titties, yeah. and you remember, you know, her writhing around on stage for Like a Virgin, which if she doesn't do that and she performs that song and then she just sings it at the MTV Music Awards or the Grammys or whatever the fuck it was, I don't know if Madonna, we're still talking about her. It's all those little things. And I think him pushing the boundaries of sexuality and, and painting his face and the Ziggy Stardust with the, with the purple or the red hair, the orange hair, whatever it was, like that all adds to the character. I don't know if there's another rock star that, that meets that, that, that the height that he did and being able to like be the top of both sections of what eventually MTV became. You know what I mean? He did this without MTV. All right. First of all, here's the beauty of it. If you listen to early MTV, it's all Bowie-influenced. All the new romantics, the Duran Durans, the Boy Georges. Talking heads, yeah. doing some version of Bowie. You know, New Wave owes a lot to Bowie. That whole synth sound of being, like, really fucking um, laid back. That that all owns uh, a thing to Bowie. Uh, Gervais tried to get become a fucking pop star based on his love of Bowie. And if you see the early pictures of him, you know what I mean? He has like really? a little bit of a Bowie look about him. Yeah, he loves Bowie. Jer, are you still on or did you just disappear for a reason? Because I want you to pull up a picture of early Ricky Gervais. I think he might be gone. All right, we'll pull that up in a minute. I'm back. Um, Sorry about that. No, pull up a picture of early Ricky Gervais. You don't know if you heard what he said. When, he was saying when he was in a pop group. I don't know the name of the pop group though. But it's. Are you serious? Uh, he's he's Gervais is way up front about how much 
he loves Bowie, although he mispronounces it as Bowie. I don't know why the Brits say Bowie. <laughs> Bowie. Why do they drives, say that? It drives me nuts. I this I just I oh my he's God, got these God, it's like you know, you look at you look this at like crazy. the albums and you look at the imagery and it's like he has so many to choose from. What would you say is your favorite? Let me see it. Where's Ricky? Uh, there's Ricky oh on my the God. left there. He's a thin white dude. That? Yeah, yeah dude. He is he's a thin white dude. White dude. <laughs> he's yeah. like that's that is <laughs> it's like wham good looking guy though. Like, yeah, he's yeah. a really good looking uh, he's guy. A really good looking guy. I mean yeah. but effeminate. Yeah, it's well that was when did that really start happening? Because well, you know, Ron, like you're you know, you, you you know music better than I do, you've been around longer than I have. When did you start seeing the transition? Like how did we suddenly go from Bowie to hair metal? Uh, by the way, uh, what could be gayer than hair metal? You the know what gayest. I mean? Like they were, yeah. Spandex, were, leather. Yeah. Yeah. Guyliner. So, I mean that, but you know, uh, for me, I think a lot of it starts with, you know, the glam guys, which was the early glam guys, which was like T-Rex and, yes. um, yeah, there it is. and those bands. Uh, and then it, it, it got picked up to where, I have this theory, and it even goes back to Elvis, that if you really want to be a rock star, 95% of you people have to mix feminine with masculine. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have to mix it back and forth. And that's also for the women. Chrissy Hine gives off a real masculine thing about her. Janis Joplin had a real masculine thing. There are some people who just go in one direction. Mm -hmm. But when you met Jagger kind of picked up this scene from the glams and he started playing around with a little bit. Um, I don't know if he did sexually, but he certainly did with his stage persona. Oh, his dancing is very effeminate with the hands. Yeah. It's, it's like, he's like doing early voguing. It's almost, you right. know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, I'm going to call it homoerotic. Homo is that the right word? Yeah, I guess yeah. you could. I guess sure. you could get away with that. Sure. But it's so I mean, funny. You've come a long way, dude. I'm very proud of you. I mean, Thank you. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I want my career. Please, please don't cancel me. Um, I, you know, I, I, I look at, I look at what, what Bowie did, and it's still he can be this kind of like, you know, what we're saying, almost gay icon, and yet still be respected and loved by by all the dudes. But I was bringing up Morty earlier. Morty said to me, I think it was when we were talking about Station to Station. He said, he said, um, he said, every time Bowie released a record, it was an event. You agree with that? Well, I mean, some of these records flopped, you know what I mean? A lot of them didn't sell well. It's really weird. I caught him on the last tour, right? Oh, wow. And I, people, I caught him so many times in my life, but on that last tour, oddly, he looked the healthiest that I'd really? ever seen him look in his life. Yeah, he had uh, was in a whole new place. It was like the most professional that I was like, you know, a little disappointed how well that he was physically doing because a little bit of the danger was gone. Yeah. But people in the room would pop at different things. A lot of people for the 70s, but then even more people for the 80s stuff because that's what they grew up with. You know what I mean? So he spanned this entire thing. And then when he had that 80s pop success, like you said earlier, he went into a nine inch nails yeah. type way. Only because he found it to be 
interesting not that it was going to help him at all but he had such a choreographed death didn't he like he knew he had like this limited timeline so not to skip ahead but you know it's so interesting how like he like presented himself in his final days of like the video drop like when he died and, and all this stuff like um it just seemed very like he knew he was leaving this lasting impression and wanted to do it right and supposedly people are saying that final record is one of his best albums. It's it's a great record. It's, good. it's dark. It's, it's a very a, difficult one for me. Yeah. Um losing him when that was like the guy of my lifetime was so weird. I saw him in a club at the Chili Pepper with my friend Flathead. He did the longest show that Bowie's ever done and he did it in a fucking club uh in Fort Lauderdale. And you know, the sounds that he was doing at the end of his life were very, very different from uh, anything else he ever... I'm going to give you like a, Bo- a Bowie star thing that happened to me Go one ahead. night. So we're at this thing for Lou Reed. Um, I forget, it was in one of the a building in New York, and it was a place that sells, you know, upscale stuff, and they were doing a thing on Lou Reed's photography. And... Um, Lou was there, his wife, Julian Schnabel was there. So it was already kind of cool. And then this yeah. kind of cool fucking New York art crowd was all there. And the the photos could be called pictures Lou Reed took out of his window. You know what I mean? Like he literally looks like he was just shooting, you know, <laughs> stuff that he didn't have to leave the house for. Yeah. I'm already laughing about it. I'm like, this is cute. And there's Lou. <laughs> and, and the whole room's just like talking. And I swear to God, this is true. We just hear silence coming towards us. Like people are murmuring, but on the other side of the room, there's suddenly silence. And fucking Bowie is walking up. And as he walks past everyone in the room, people just fucking stop. And this is like 2005 or something like that. Yeah. 2006. And everyone is just flat footed. And he walks by us. He goes up. He gets with Lou, they get their fo- photos done, and uh, then Bowie just walks out, and the whole fucking room starts talking again, like, you Fuck. Know. It yeah. was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Like, I had never been around somebody that, not just famous, but the people were in all of Oh yeah, all of this. Wow. I couldn't imagine if him walking to a room and you not everybody not staring at him, and and there could be a room yeah. full of other famous people. It's right. It's Bowie. Bowie has that thing. He's 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 beautiful. He's different. He's tall. He's skinny. He's he's just you know he almost looks like I can take. He looks like the creature from The Shape of Water. You know what I mean? He's like he's <laughs> un, really he's unhuman. It's not. It's like if that's why it fits for him to play this sci-fi character. He's he's interesting, and then his music is completely batshit bonkers. It's all over the place. It's like it's, it's all over the place. I'm gonna tell you this though. I I mean you weren't familiar with this album before, right? I wasn't. You're gonna listen to Gene Genie for the rest of your life. I don't give a shit what you say. 100%. That fucking song is so good. So good. And it's uh, uh it's almost like the Yardbirds are playing on it, but years later i mean it's just a fucking flat out fucking banger panic in detroit is a great fucking song yeah um you can't get around that so even in this stuff that like i said is like transitioning and the the song aladdin sane 
belongs on the next record. You know what I mean? Like it literally, it it's a sound, even though they're the same players, but by adding the weirdness that Mike Garson brings on the fucking keyboards, right? Yeah. That it's got some weird, and it's almost like foreshadowing that he's going to fucking Berlin one day. You know what I mean? Like you can hear these things if you, if if you like, if you go back and just start looking for clues, you could hear him leaving this album as he's putting it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, the sound is changing. Yeah. Over this album. Because he just evolves. He just can't stop yeah. evolving. <laughs> like no, that's the beauty of his artistry. He's, he's, I think Gene Genie is like Black Keys to me, Ron. It sounds just like that's really interesting. Yeah, Jer Jer was sending me messages all last night um, when I was at my shows, and it was just like, "What did you say?" You said, "Cracked actor is Queens of the Stone Age." Like they ripped it right off this song, "Cracked Actor." I, I did hear that after I re-listened to that. With after you said that, that definitely sounds like it's so good. Um, dark I mean, and good, very dark. I, I mean, even the first song, it's like it's watch the man. I mean, it's it's a hard fucking listen. It's all these key changes and right. It's it is it is a fucking like that was the thing is that every other record I've listened to by David Bowie, I'm like okay, you you, you dial in and you're like you, you listen to Heroes, you 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 get you're getting the vibe of it. Like this started even well no station to station. Um, Fuck, what was the opening track on Station to Station? It's I think it is Station to Station. I mean, and that's like nine songs in one. Ten minutes long. Right. Going and this, and it was like, I remember listening to that, and I had taken, that was at the time when I was taking mushrooms very, very heavily, and I remember I put that on on my headphones on the Bose, and I was just like, I mean, in awe. This one... I still take mushrooms. Uh, not, I don't know if I'd, I'd want a trip to this record. This is a, this is a very difficult record. And I and think that's what uh, that's what you need to do. You need to fucking break through. This is stopping something in yourself, and you got to go past. Yeah. fucking mushrooms you got to start and do acid like an adult you know what i mean like <laughs> sorry mushrooms is great for little kids that's something for them to do you know what i mean but no you need to find the fucking Bowie in you. You know what I mean? You're you need wrong. to find that fucking darkness. I want to love him. I know, but I do love him. I love him, but I don't want to be a poser and love him because he's Bowie and everybody thinks he's the coolest. I want why to should, be- Yeah, but why should you get a record right away? Why should you understand it right off the fucking bat? No, you Maybe shouldn't. you need to change. Maybe you need to change. Ron, Ron, yeah. you are 100% right. <laughs> And this is the I'm thing. I'm fucking with you. I, I know, know you are, but you're right. Know. But you are right. I'm going to give you that because here's the thing is that when, when we first started doing this podcast, and Jerry, you'll remember this, I used to listen to every record nine or 11 or 15 times so I could fully absorb the album. And then I got to a place where I was like every album, I was like, this is genius. This is genius. And this rules and that rules. And then the next record, this fucking rules. And... Now I'm like, all right, I'll give it about three listens. And if I don't get it in those three, you know, I don't get it. Um, and there's nothing wrong Can with I that. Can I tell you? Good. Yeah, uh, Jeremiah was telling me that you're burning out on this whole concept. And maybe you need somebody to step in. <laughs> and if that's the case, dude. You, want you know it? what I mean? You take over? Yeah, you take yeah over I'm going to take over and just say, like, he needs his time. We don't know where he is. I recommend Costa Rica. 
uh, it's in Peru. <laughs> yeah, get off, get off the fucking grid. If for you want to, if you want to deal with the fifty-five-year-old white guys that send me messages sometimes that are like, yeah. hey, "You fucking idiot! How could you say <laughs> that about that record?" You can deal with them. I, no, no. I, love, yeah. I listen. I love the music, and then it's always funny because when we get in this kind of situation, which is like, maybe I don't really dig it as much as the guest. Right. And then I have the guest on and the guest explains it to me in a way that I'm like, Oh, now I get it. Now I see it. Now I understand it. So I'm going to tell you right now, this is, cause I didn't read all the information until a half hour before we sat down to record this. Um, you know, we're really happy. We have Adam and Jeremiah and, and, and me, we kind of compile shit. Uh, but with this record, I was trying to grab it all through music because I thought I'd be able to do that the way that I got station to station. And and mm-hmm. it's just it just never clicked over. Well, and then I mean, this isn't my favorite Bowie record. I don't is, know if it's anybody. What is favorite your favorite Bowie record? I mean, I can't step away from fucking Ziggy. I mean, that caught me at an age. You know what yeah. I mean? It caught me at an age. And probably for me, that was uh, a record that, you know, maybe save my life for all I know. You know what I mean? That fucking album that you have when you're at a certain age where you're like, nobody gets me. I don't know what's going on. And that fucking record becomes like your friend, even though if you're like myself and you have friends, you know what I mean? But you still feel a little bit different. And that's why you always love the fucking people that you loved at that age more than anything else. That's why everybody thinks the best fucking music came out when they were in high school because they fucking needed it. You know what I mean? It's medicine. No, you're right. It's why I'm Um, doing this. That's 100% why I'm doing this. Jesus Christ. That's perfect. Um, Jer, is there any any info of this record that we skipped over that we got to... Well, there's so much. Every song has so many stories, but the one, just going back to Driving Saturday again, it was the second single released from the album two weeks before the album's release, peaked at number three in the U.S. And there's this nod to Mick Jagger. No, not in the U.S., in the U.K. Oh, maybe they fucked it up. Fucking play over here. Uh, but I will tell up. you, that, that that fucking record, to me, is Rocky Horror. And that's the thing, like, you know the guys from Rocky Horror fucking listen to this shit and did Rocky Horror. In the same way that the guitar players in Seattle listen to Heroes and fucking went in a whole new direction with grunge, right? They yeah. all said when fucking heroes were out there, like we, you know, we got to do that, and that's what he has given. That's why he's kind of, and I'm not even saying like the only color in a rainbow, but for so many different types of musics and generations, he's part of what they're doing the rest of their life. And lyrically, it's still the weirdest shit. And I don't know if anybody has touched that yet. No, I don't think so. He said uh, the lyrics uh, name check uh, Mick Jagger. Uh, one lyric is when people stared in Jagger's eyes and scored. And the supermodel Twiggy, who ended up being on the cover of Pinups, uh, was also name checked in, in this song. And as a way to repay the compliment, Jagger traveled to uh, David's Earl's court show with Bianca Jagger in 73. And it was like a passing of the torch, the manager said, uh, from Jagger to Bowie. So that was kind of cool. That's another thing. This is 73, right? That this Mm -hmm. record came out. And that's the year that Almost Famous is set in. Mm -hmm. That's the year that um, Licorice Pizza is set in. Roxy Music. I don't know whether you got Roxy Music. 
you know, you, you were supposed to choose between Bowie and Roxy music when I was a kid. It was like Beatles Stones, and I'm like, I don't choose. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, when they do that thing to blur Oasis, I like them both. Fuck you. I'm going to be one of those yeah. people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there does, there does seem to be something really interesting that went down. Like, 73 was like the transition year, I think, between the 60s and the 70s, where it had a little bit of both in it. You know, a little bit of, of the best of and a little bit of the worst of. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. I'm pretty sure my dad said that in the 70s, in the early 70s, you thought the world was going to come to an end, like the government was going to fall because, you know, you have Vietnam, you have the assassinations, if you through all throughout the beginning of the 70s. Right. Um, well, that was the late 60s. Happening, and it was kind of like, you know, the kids that were born after 9-11 or probably this pandemic for never not feeling quite safe. Oh God, no. And, and so it's like, I think this album kind of, you know, might even reflect some of that coming out of all of that, that sure. mess. And, and, you know, I don't remember what, maybe you do Ron, but like, what was, what was the stones making around that time? Is that, is that before or after it was, exile? It was right after exile. I think exile was, um, 72 and then they got into like i think goat said soup or whatever and their sound started to fucking change a little bit like it was almost the end of that genius period into you know yeah uh their own dark heroin thing when keith was so fucked up for so long hey this is chris swinney formerly of the ataris and currently host of that one time on tour part of the sound talent media podcast network have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Yeah, so then of course somebody like like Bowie comes along that already made this, you know, on his what his fifth record is already this right. this iconic genius thing, and he's got a full fully formed image. He's got a fully formed that, and then he's like, ah, fuck that, I'm gonna keep going. And then they're just like, all right, I guess this is the guy, you know. And he was, and he still is. He's still the guy. He's still somebody that if you talk to any rock star that has made music post Bowie. That, you know, is, it's, I mean, you, you have to, I mean, you, you said everybody, I bet you, we're talking Pearl Jam, we're talking Nirvana, you know, their yeah. music, maybe their music doesn't sound exactly like it, but when you're in there, you're talking about their top 10 influences, Bowie pops his name in there almost every time. Yeah. Um, anything else, Jer, that we need to, we need to hit on this? Cause I mean, we could go track by, but it's like already, we're almost there. I mean, Ron covered the cover artwork, but it, it says it was the most expensive cover ever made at the time and it's represents the split personality of the character. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's super dope. I love that. Let me, let's find out a little bit about, hold on. Let me just, let's read some of Bowie's statistics and then we'll drop. All right. Wait, hold on. So this is, so this is the 12, 2012 list in the 2020 list. Uh, everything kind of changed. So this is the second time we've talked about Bowie. He'll be coming up three more times. Uh, we talked uh, 76's Station to Station with Gavin Rossdale. Low uh, was ranked number 251, Hunky Dory at 108, and The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars at number 35. On the 2020 re-rank, this album didn't make the cut. This album did yeah. not make the cut. 
Station to Station leapt 272 spots to number 52. Scary Monsters and Super Creeps joined the list at 443. With Low, that rose 46 spots to 206. Hunky Dory jumped 20 positions to 88. And Ziggy Stardust fell to number 40. During his lifetime, his record sales estimated at over 100 million records sold worldwide made him one of the best-selling musicians of all time. In the UK, he was awarded 10 platinum, 11 gold, and 8 silver album certifications and released 11 number one albums. In the US, he received 5 platinum, 9 gold. He's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 96. Uh, as of 2022, Bowie was the best-selling vinyl artist of the 21st century. Bowie's 69 commercial breakthrough, the song Space Oddity, won him an Ivor Novello uh, special award for originality. And then for his performance in the 76 sci-fi film The Man Who Fell to Earth, he won the Saturn Award for Best Actor. Um, yeah, dude, he's this guy, six Grammys, four Brit Awards, a, a Best British Male Twice, I mean, this guy is like he's been giving uh, the French gave him something. They get commander of the Orde de Arts at desk. Like, I, I don't know French at all. I'm just butchering. <laughs> Are you sure? You know, the Orde des Arts at desk, <laughs> let trust by the French government. Um, honorary doctorate from Berkeley. He declined the royal honor of commander of the order in the British Empire. He turned that, to, he turned down knighthood. So Bowie. And so that's the I question. I don't think he cared about any of the awards, to be totally honest. I don't think he cared that much even about record sales. I think he was just doing shit to do it. Yeah. So Adam what wrote a question for you, Ron. Is yeah. there some sort of award or acknowledgement that would normally be considered a high honor, but you would be okay not receiving or turned down? Would you turn down an award? Um, I would say citizenship. I would fucking turn that down if I was ever offered it. <laughs> I really just want to be an expat. It's the only thing on my mind. It's my only daydream I have these days. Where you going? Where you going if you get it? Uh, you know, kind of points unknown. You know what I mean? I just want to. I just want to say I want to uh, almost treat it like it's a suicide, but stay alive when I do it. I want to kill this, and then move on and just uh, live somewhere else, be somewhere else. Have a body double and. Yeah, the whole people thing. don't know the mystery is revealed many years later. I don't know where I go. I, if I, you know, I feel like right now we were talking. Me and Jared were talking before the podcast before you clicked on, and I'm just like, I'm dealing with like, I feel like I'm getting shit thrown at me at every corner right now. And I was like, yeah. I need a fucking vacation, man. And I mean, not like a regular vacation. Like I'm looking into like meditation retreats. I'm looking into like maybe ayahuasca trips and like fucking. Peru or something. I just need anything other than whatever the fuck this well, is. Doesn't that drug seem like it's going too corporate now? Like yes. It's almost like the fucking Burning Man. <laughs> yeah, of no, drugs. You're right. When I hear like I'm going to Peru with it, I'm bet I'm always like, I bet someone's selling it around here somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure. I think if text around, we can find a guy. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah, but I'm going for an ayahuasca retreat in Tribeca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But. I you know what part turns me on? Oh, the guy stays there with you. He's a holy man. Yeah. How would you like to have a fucking Catholic fucking priest laying next to you when you're doing quaaludes? Yeah, I don't right. fucking trust a holy yeah, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just need something, man. That's why I think I'm bummed about that Dominican Republic gig because it was like I was going to go out. It was only two days, two shows, two days, but I could go out for the full week. 
and I was going to go out for the week and like just be and and I you know I've been running myself ragged since the world reopened and since I moved here in mm-hmm. May 21st and I've been on the road since fucking uh like August almost every weekend come uh, to Maui I'm trying to convince him to come here Ron it's not a bad place to go for you yeah, you know? so, I can, so I can be the third wheel with you and your gorgeous German Dusseldorf wife. There you like, go. I don't have any ayahuasca, but he's like, yeah, yeah. we're going to go. We're going to go surfing later. Do you want to go? <laughs> Jeremiah's sit, doing yoga. Yeah, sit, uh, sit in a uh, in a cuck chair for a couple of days. I'm gonna fucking turn you on. <laughs> yeah. Don't look at me while you're fucking Jack and watching them. Yeah, don't dude. look at me, dude. I, Jerry, I I, li- I didn't live with you, but I spent a lot of time in your house apartment type place in yeah. College Park, Maryland. And I remember you're a sexual beast. I do yeah, not yeah, want to yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah, when he's got the this guy fucks. Everybody can tell. Just <laughs> yeah, you got Jeremiah man fucks. Yeah, Jeremiah now, fucks. <laughs> now I don't know. As did did the show end? I don't. I never. No, know we're gonna end it. We're gonna end it. We're gonna end it right. I don't know where it started. <laughs> this is how I like it. I like it. So, it we'll do we're mysterious. All right, so I'm gonna ask you these questions, uh, and I'm actually very curious to get your answers. Um, what is your favorite song on this record? I mean, it's ridiculous, but because I don't want to be obvious, but uh, the you know the fact that New York's a go-go and everything tastes right, I got to give it to Gene Genie. Yeah, you know I, mean? I agree. It's, I, it's too fucking good. No, it really is, and that I mean that is the one that you pull out of this and you put on the greatest hits, and it's yeah. probably the most fully formed song. And it's probably the easiest song to listen to. Like even "Let's Spend the Night Together," which is oh, which he, is a, you he know, fucks that up. Yeah, it's a, it's odd. It was like I'm waiting. He you know, fucks either. up all of his covers. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. No, and good for him, rightfully so. All right, what's your least favorite song on this record? Uh, I don't really even know. I mean, time makes me fucking anxious. The prettiest star makes me a little. Uh, it makes me wonder why he would pluck that back out after so many years. So probably that one. I, w- I the would fact say that th- they would re-record that and take Bolin off of it. I would. I would say the prettiest star. Um, all mm. right. This is a two-part question, Ron. All right. Mm. One. Can you fuck to this album? And two. If you have to pull out one song to fuck to, what are you playing? So first one. Can you fuck to this album? Well, I'm going to honestly say this. Uh, There's only one album that you fuck to. I mean, why why do it to any other? And that's uh, uh, Avalon by Roxy Music. If you're fucking anything else, there's something really (laughs) wrong with you. You probably, yeah. Something's wrong with me then. uh, I've never fucked to him, but now I'm about to. Alexa. (laughs) I was going to tell it. But it's got to be somebody that you dig being with. It's not like a one-night stand fuck. Big J, I'm gonna cut you off real quick. Big J, uh, there's a girl that that is this like sex expert that works in the porn industry uh, that I I've had a relationship with on and off for years, and it's more mm-hmm. just friends, but we hook up. And uh, Big J was like talking to her at the AVNs, and she said something. I don't know how they got into it. She was like, but she was like, yeah, it's like you know, Josh is great, and we we have great sex, but it's always funny before we start it. Josh always like you know go, comes out of making out on the bed to like lean over to his uh, to his Amazon speaker and he's like Alexa play Porter's head. <laughs> That's hilarious. Alexa, don't turn the music off. <laughs> She's coming on right now. Don't play music. Wait, is it Alexa? Pause. Oh fuck. 
She's playing Prince. I'm in a big Prince phase right now. I was thinking uh, of Prince, yeah. actually. The amount that Bowie evolves, ex experimentation, yeah. you know. Alexa. Prince did a lot of that, too. No. Yeah, I I would agree with that 100%. And when when uh, Prince was at his fucking peak, he fired his band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. He fired to the, the band solo that everybody thing. loved. I went to yeah. um, I went to I was in Minnesota doing the House of Comedy, and I went to Paisley Park with my friend Jenny Zagrino, who's been on the pod. And I, I was always like I said, it's the same. Prince is the same way I'm with Bowie. Like I know the hits, uh, and I respect and 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 love what I know about him. Um, and then I went to Paisley Park, and they take you through the tour of his house, and you get to see like his shoe room and the fucking studios that he recorded every record in was 1986. And he had this little concert area where he would just he would just he would put out a tweet saying, "Hey, I'm doing a concert at 12:30 a.m. If you can get here, mm -hmm. you're getting in." And then he'd remove it five minutes later. So sometimes 200 people would see it, and sometimes four people would see it, and he would give them the same performance those four people that he would for those 200 and it was just all the information and then all the stuff I kept learning I was like this guy rules this guy rules to the point where now it's like I'm just so fascinated by him and and that's the way I am with Bowie you know it's like well, I just, here's yeah I had the the woman who was the engineer through all those uh Prince albums right all the classic ones and she gave us like the schedule and it never was not music when he had a date the date was the woman is coming to either the rehearsal or the after show show he when if he was awake he was creating music yeah the entire time he's genius and and i say the same thing i, lo I love how you open the podcast by talking about those icons and putting them all on this little succinct level which is like yeah man it's like the true geniuses are the ones that you know that change and do that it was just a perfect way to start final th final thing i want you to do what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this album to this album yeah uh, i would actually just say the real pitch is to try to understand stuff about not even music but creativity because this dude it's really even more like all the things that you were benefiting and and bringing up it's about a guy who is an artist who is creating all the time and is and most of that creativity seems to be coming from the subconscious you know what i mean most of that stuff doesn't even seem like it has any ambition to it whatsoever almost anti-ambition so i would say for this record Put it in between knowing that you're just not going to be a greatest hits person if you want to appreciate art or create art. That's my pitch. And That's it's perfect. a long elevator ride, you know. <laughs> We're in New York. 36 <laughs> We're the 36. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, promote away, dude. Anything you want to promote? Nothing at all, man. It was just a pleasure to be here to talk about this, dude. Uh, I really, really loved it. I love you. Thank you so much, Ron, for coming on, buddy. I can't thank you right. enough. Well, you'll have you back because you're the most requested and because you're right. probably my favorite guest that we have on. So so just just don't go nowhere. Until he replaces you, Josh. More... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, take that, Gavin Rossdale. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Who's, who's moved into number one. <laughs> I Thanks, love you, guys. buddy. Thank you, Thank guys. you, Ron. Appreciate you, man. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Ron Bennington. Follow him on Twitter at Bennington Show. I think on Instagram as well. And go to his website, benningtonshow.com. 
Uh, now, what do we got here for new music? Ooh, we've got an English singer-songwriter, Sam Fender. And you're listening to the song 17 Going Under off his 2021 record of the same name. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you're in a band and you're directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and put the album and artist that influenced you in the big line. God damn, next week we got a fucking chunk. Uh, anthology of American folk music. It is long, it is strong. It is down to your dong. It's from 97. Do your homework. It's a lot, but do it. Embarrass yourself for someone Crying like a child And the boy you kicked Tom's head in Still bugs me now That's the thing it lingers And cause you when you die
This is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Next Chapter Podcasts.